Now, as we are looking at Romans 9, 10 and 11 at the moment, a helpful thought to have in mind is this one. Uh, how is it that some people believe in Christ and other people don't? It's the picture of Romans 9 to 11 of people going through their lives and coming up against Jesus Christ who is like a rock in the way. Some people, uh, as it says in chapter 9 verse 32, some find due to that rock that they are never put to shame. The one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. But other people come against the same person, the same Christ, the same rock, and they trip over it, and they stumble, and they stumble catastrophically, as it says in the same verse, 9.33, see I lay in Zion a stone that causes men to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall, and Christ has this effect that as we come up against him, we either find that it all makes wonderful sense and we can build our lives on that rock uh, and are secure forever. Or alternatively, we trip over, and that's catastrophic. And that's, it seems to me, very much at the heart of what Paul is talking about, uh, and it's a question for us today. Will we find that Christ is the rock on which we stand or the reason or something that we stumble over it's a question for people around us because the whole world around us is responding to Christ either one way or another uh, and for Paul the particular focal point of this intense question is his own nation the nation who of all nations should have believed because they had the scriptures that Jesus Christ came to fulfill. So it is a conundrum. And we could say, is it God's fault? Is God uh, incompetent? Has he, he just not managed to produce a persuasive argument or bring a strong enough salvation? Is it God's failure? Is it proof of his irrelevance? Because there it is, this is, the, this is what happens particularly true in terms of the nation of Israel and if it does prove that God is incompetent then that is a terrible blow to the glory of God and we might also ask how did the rock intrude into people's lives anyway I think we'll probably see a little bit of that coming up as we go through so that's I think a helpful way for us to start and as we go through chapter 10 I warn you that Paul uses a lot of quotes from the Old Testament. So I'll try not to make it overburdensome, but we, we are going to have to work hard at this chapter because it's not perhaps as straightforward as you might, it might think at first, at first appearance. So can I then remind you of some of the things that we looked at last time? Uh, I brought out a theological toolkit and we won't use all the tools today but I can remind you uh, one of the things that Paul's already made clear is that human beings are free moral agents 
with real personal responsibility. And if we don't believe, if we sin, if we rebel, we can't blame God for it. Uh, You might say, well, that's unfair, to which I reply, it's just the way it is. Our sin is not God's fault. He's not to blame for that. We are. That's the way he's made us. That's the way it is. And another theological piece of the toolkit, if you like, is the idea of salvation by grace or salvation by God's grace or sometimes people just say grace. What is meant by this is that the whole heart of the way God saves people is it's not by their earning or competing or achieving but it is by a gift that he gives which is received by faith and the more you think about it the more opposite those two ways are as I think we shall see not by earning something not by competing so I'm better than somebody else although we can slip back into thinking things like that Uh, not by achieving you know achieving something as you meditate or achieving something as you um, go through life's race or achieving anything so that you can say look what I've achieved it's the complete opposite of that God saves people as a gift that's what grace is And I would be bold to say that of all the religions in the world, Christianity is the only one which is based on God's grace. And then here's another piece of the toolkit, just so that we know what we're all talking about. The free offer of the gospel. Sometimes called the general call of the gospel, but the idea that God genuinely and sincerely offers, regardless of ethnicity, moral standing, or anything, or religious background, he offers people, come and believe in Jesus Christ, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And it does mean whoever. It means, you know, from Mother Teresa of Calcutta, to Jimmy Savile if Jimmy Savile was still alive the Lord would make that offer to him if you call on the name of the Lord you say he's a monster he's a terrible man he was a terrible man did terrible things to people but the offer still says whoever if you Jimmy Savile were to call on the name of the Lord you would be saved Jimmy Savile had a history of abusing uh, young people in case you're not quite sure who he was So here we have the picture of the offer and the call. And I want to try to persuade you, first of all, that chapter 10 is very much about this matter, the call of the gospel. If you look into chapter 10, verse 2, he says, what's the problem with Israel? Well, he says, they're zealous, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. And he says, "There's there's a problem of knowledge. They don't know something and he is going to go on to say they need to be told it and then he will say they have been told it but it's what they have heard and know that's the question in chapter 10 verse 8 
Paul is going to talk about a word. The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we are proclaiming. So word, message, um, it doesn't just mean a word, a single thing of four or five syllables. He means a message. That's what we are talking about. The word, the message to do with salvation by grace received by faith. The word of faith, he says, that's what we're talking about. And that's what we talk about to people. And then in chapter 10, verse 15, he, uh, here's a little quote talking about somebody preaching and how beautiful on the feet, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So he's, he's talking about somebody like a missionary or somebody standing on a street corner or somebody going into a, a family and telling them the message about Jesus Christ. It's all about this offer. And in chapter 10, verse 17, uh, which we'll look at again in a moment, faith comes from hearing the message. As, our, as the NIV translation says, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. And I ask, did they hear? So he's talking about a message that people are hearing. Okay, that's all I want, simply want to, to say. That's what this chapter is about. And so we'll try and look at it section by section. So are you with me so far? Yeah, okay, good, thank you. So let's think a little bit more about how Paul works his way through this. And the first thing that I want to say is that Jesus Christ is the crisis issue for this message, for salvation. And I'm looking at chapter 9, verse 30, down to chapter 10, verse 4, which says, What shall we say then that the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained it, a righteousness that is by faith, but Israel who pursued a law of righteousness has not attained it. Why not? Because they pursued it not by faith, but as if it were by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone, as it is written, see in Zion I lay a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge, since they did not know the righteousness that comes from God and sought to establish their own. They did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the end of the law, so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes." And I'm simply trying to draw out from this that although he talks about righteousness and faith, he's really saying the central issue is Jesus Christ. Let's look at, uh, try and look a little bit at how he says this. There are two apparent roots to righteousness. Now righteousness is when we can stand before God without fear and with, an, with the confidence that God is saying, he's one of my people, she's one of my people, I'm on the side of this person. 
they pray to me, I'm going to listen to them. If they're in trouble, I'm going to help them. Uh, that's what it means to stand in righteousness before God. Uh, now then, the two apparent roots. One, righteousness by faith, which he says, for example, end of chapter 4, righteousness for everyone who believes. And then righteousness by works, uh, or righteousness, let's take it in order, by the law. Verse 31, he says, Israel pursued a law of righteousness. And although that is a condensed way of putting it, it seems clear that what he's saying is they are trying to get righteous with God by keeping the law in their case by keeping the law of Moses which is the very law that God gave in verse 32 he says they pursued righteousness not by faith but as if it were by works and in chapter 10 verse 3 they say since they did not know the righteousness from God they sought to establish their own righteousness so it's something that they had constructed and Paul says this is very zealous because they try very very hard but it's very ignorant because that's not the way God works and he contrasts it with in verse 32 righteousness which is by faith and he contrasts it with in chapter 11 verse 3 the righteousness of God the righteousness that comes from God or the righteousness given by God or the righteousness that God uh, the way God deals and this righteousness is something that you submit to and there we have it uh, the Israelites uh, Israel as Paul writes in this moment seeking righteousness one way rather than the other way and he says what they're doing is they're forgetting that Christ is the thing Christ is the end of the law end can mean goal it can mean fulfillment can mean termination but what, whatever precise spin he has on it he's saying now we have Jesus Christ now Jesus Christ is clearly portrayed he's the way to be righteous righteousness comes by faith in Jesus Christ he's the critical point and as we're sitting here this morning you might think well this is all rather irrelevant to me because I'm not a Jew I don't feel obliged to keep the food laws or worship in the synagogue or the temple and I'm not interested in kosher food and Rosh Hashanah and things like that uh, and I say okay uh, but you are perfectly capable of thinking of yourself the same way you might have your own version of a law you might have your own works I still remember in the Christopher Robin books which you probably have never even heard of uh, uh, Christopher Robin walked down the pavement and there are cracks in the pavement and he thought that if he stepped on a crack he'd be eaten by bears Ever done that with Solomon? No, quite wise. Um, but so his law was don't walk on the cracks in the pavement. 
and we all have little laws like that. We might think, well, if I eat vegetarian, um, then I shall be right with God. If I save the planet and turn my central heating down, I shall be right with God. If I take the moral high ground and despise people like Dave Lee Travis and Jimmy Savile, then I'm right with God. If I pray a lot, I'll be, I'm right with God. If I do a pilgrimage, I'll be right with God. And all of those things are in one way or another trying to be righteous by law if that's the basis that we, we have, if we see them as the basis of our relationship with God. And the Bible says no one can ever be right with God by law. Righteousness is by Christ, by trusting in him, righteousness comes to us amazingly as this gift of grace through faith. So I stop and ask, what is it that you are depending on in your relationship with God? What is it that you say, well, this is why God will accept me? You know the, um, the famous question, I'm not sure whether it's in the Alpha course or one of these uh, courses that says, if you were to die tonight and go to meet God and God was to say to you, why should I let you into heaven? What would you answer? Would you say, well, because I've been good to my neighbor, because I've been to all the prayer meetings, because I've um, read my Bible, uh, because I'm not as bad as the other people? None of those answers is any good because they're all law, they're all works. The only answer that we'll achieve is because Jesus Christ died for me. Yeah? Why should I go into heaven? Because Jesus Christ died. So Christ is the crisis issue for salvation and we are to believe in him. Okay, let's look now at the second section from verses... Uh, oops, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Um, yeah. Verses, I don't know why I've written nine, verses five to thirteen. Verses five to thirteen. Yep, yeah, okay. So now uh, Paul is sort of saying the same thing again, and he contrasts two words or two messages uh, and we'll look at each of them uh, so verse 5 Moses describes in this way the righteousness that is by the law the man who does these things will live by them so this is quoting Moses I told you there's some quotes he's quoting more or less word for word uh, more or less word for word from Leviticus 18 which I will read to you it says, the Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites, say to them, I am the Lord your God. You must not do as they did in Egypt, where you used to live. You must not do as they do in the land of Canaan, where I'm bringing you. Do not follow their practices. You must obey my laws and be careful to follow my decrees. I am the Lord your God. Keep my decrees and laws, for the man who obeys them will live by them. I am the Lord. 
that's uh, we're pretty sure that's where he's quoting from uh, and he's 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 not saying anything wrong there is he saying to those people don't be like the Egyptians who've just been redeemed from the Egypt don't be like the Canaanites with their child sacrifice and worship of Molech don't be like them because I'm your God and I want you to obey me and that's fair enough isn't it and Paul quotes this and the, the aspect that he picks out of it is this the man who does these things will live by them that's the idea the righteousness of the law says this the man who has done these things will live or perhaps more literally in it this, is, this word is the doing word now we do need to ponder this Christians have to obey as well Obey, obedience is desirable and in fact obedience is vital so it's not saying that Christians have no obedience in their lives and it's not saying that the law's vision is wrong because what the law of Moses says it has a vision it says this is, this is, uh, um, this is how life ought to be lived and that law's vision is right the details of it get transformed through Jesus Christ so the law talks about circumcision and food laws and that all gets transformed into some, some way in the hands of Jesus Christ but Jesus was not against the law but I think what we could say is if we understand the law if we understand the law to be promising life if that's how we understand it the man who does these things will live by them if we understand that as a law as a promise of life it won't work and if we understand the law as a basis for righteousness it can't be done so Moses gave all these laws um, some of them very wonderful um, the, the, the heart of it being love the Lord your God with all your heart and strength and soul and might and your labor as yourself there's nothing wrong with that but if that if we're looking there for the promise of eternal life it, it doesn't work it's impossible for us to be righteous by law and if you think back into the Old Testament Abraham didn't um, have law keeping as the basis of his relationship with God it was faith and David King David didn't have law keeping as the basis of his relationship with God because he knew what it was to be forgiven didn't he he said blessed is the man to whom God does not impute iniquity and, and David sinned and he couldn't rest on his law keeping for his relationship with God he had to rest somewhere else and in fact in the Old Testament nobody really had a relationship with God on the basis of their keeping the law and even Jesus because you might be thinking as one exception Jesus and of course 
Jesus kept the law, but he went far beyond that, didn't he? Because Jesus didn't simply come and keep the law. There we are, all done. Jesus died on the cross. The law never commanded that. The law never said, you know, 11th commandment, and thou shalt die on the cross. Jesus went beyond the law to make us righteous. Something far better than law righteousness through Jesus Christ. Well, that was the first word, the doing word. And Paul says, that's the righteousness of the law. And let's come to the second word, which he has a lot more to say about. And this I'm going to say is a near word. This is now verse 6. But the righteousness that is by faith says, notice it's not Moses saying it, but the righteousness by faith saying it. Here's his quote. Uh, Do not say in your heart. Now that's a quote from Deuteronomy chapter 9. And then he says, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming. Now let's look at this for a moment. What is he quoting? It's not quite as simple as it might first appear because it's putting two quotes together now the Deuteronomy 9 quote is interesting I'll dig this one out if you are able to you're welcome to look at it as well but you don't have to Deuteronomy 9 in the law this is Moses saying this uh, the big man on law and he says after the Lord your God has driven out your enemies do not say to yourself The Lord has brought me here to take possession of this land because of my righteousness. That's interesting, isn't it? Back there in the law, Moses was saying, you know, don't get, I'm going to tell you the wrong end of the, I'm going to tell you a lot of stuff, but don't get the wrong end of the stick because you are not blessed because of your righteousness. And don't begin to think in your heart it's because of my righteousness. And that's where Paul begins his quote. And then he goes along into Deuteronomy chapter 30 from verse 11. He doesn't quote him exactly. I'll I'll read you what he, he does say. Now, what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It is not up up in heaven so that you have to ask who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it nor is it beyond the sea so that you will have to ask who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it no the word is very near you it is in your mouth and it is in your heart so that you may obey it and if you were I don't know if you've got that open in front of you but even as it was being read I don't know whether you thought because I thought this hang on a minute, this is all about obedience. That's what it says. The word is in your mouth and heart that you may obey it. So it is a bit of a conundrum why Paul chooses that. And I looked in all the commentaries until I got a headache and had to go to bed. And what I would like to suggest is that Paul is taking these words and saying 
in a way they look as though they're referring to uh, obeying the law and that's all there is to it but in fact when you think about it Moses is, is really showing them a way of relating to God that isn't the impossibility of keeping a law it's something much closer something which is achievable and I would like to suggest and this is my best thought on this that when he quotes Deuteronomy 30.11 he's actually trying to draw from there a spiritual principle which is deeper than obeying the law it's sort of hidden underneath that idea and you might say hidden inside it you know the people listening to Moses would have thought hang on a minute what's he saying about the way we relate to God he's being ever so reassuring the word is near it's not too difficult for you well I, I don't think you know the Israelites say I don't think I quite understand that but I'm going to trust that it's not too difficult and I think Paul is saying you see what Moses was really talking about was the way of faith so let's come back to Paul as he takes this idea and the, this quotation and he expands on it in a Christian way and he says the way of the Bible really if you understand the depth of it is not the impossibility of going up to heaven and you know like who was it who had huge tasks set for him was it Jason and the Argonauts who had to win the king's daughter by defeating the Minotaur getting the golden fleece I don't know I'm getting lots of things mixed up here uh, so who was it? Hercules okay right he had to do impossible things is that good enough for us impossible tasks and Paul is saying that's not the way the Christian life is or really has ever ever been you don't have to climb up to heaven on the, by the skin of your teeth by, the, uh, by your fingertips and you don't have to plumb the depths you don't have to go down into the abyss you don't have to go down and sort out all the deep horrible terrible things you don't have to do that you're not called to do that you don't have to do that I think some people give themselves a headache by trying to do that you can't understand the, the high things of God and wrestle with the, 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 the deep things of God you don't have to do that and Paul uh, in this uh, tantalizing way says you know you could compare that you could connect that with Jesus Christ because he came down from heaven and he did that for us you don't have to go up to heaven Christ came down from heaven it's the incarnation who shall ascend don't say in your heart who will ascend into heaven that is to bring Christ down or don't say in your heart who will go down into the deep and Paul adds well that's like bringing up bringing Christ up from the dead well he's done that for us if we try to do that our little selves it's, it would be impossible you don't have to do that he says faith is so much simpler and if you like so much more um, so much easier you just have to believe you, know, you could say stop trying and start trusting 
as the basis of the Christian life. The impossible things have been achieved by Christ and the way of faith says what you're called on to do is to believe. And it might say it sounds too good to be true. You might say that can't possibly be true because you, you've got to work at anything, haven't you? And Paul says, absolutely wrong. The, the Christian way is totally different. Christ's done all the hard work and the heavy lifting, and he says, you know, just trust me. And Paul takes the quotation a little bit further. Uh, the quotation says, the, the, uh, this, well, the original says, I'll go back to it, Uh, the word is very near you it is in your mouth and in your heart so that you may obey it and Paul takes that thought uh, and the depth of it Christianly and says um, I can explain that to you in Christian ways uh, the word well the word that we're talking about is a near word it's not so far away it's not out of your reach so that you couldn't even while you're sitting where you're sitting this morning just do what it says the word is near you it's uh, to do with the heart and to do with the mouth and he says it's um, the word of faith is in your heart because well what does he say the word of faith uh, let me just see lost my place if you confess with your mouth verse 9 Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved and he, he, he puts it into that particular example you're believing with your heart and what you believe in your heart uh, you're, uh, the proof of it is to say it with your mouth and if you believe in your heart in Jesus Christ let's say for example this particular thing that um, he is raised from the dead and if you are prepared to s commit yourself in words Jesus is my Lord Jesus is Lord is that that's where you are that's faith in action and you're saved it really is remarkably simple isn't it do you agree with me it's not asking you to do a huge, difficult, terrible thing. And I would ask you about your heart and mouth this morning. Is it in your heart? Yeah, I believe. I do believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I do call upon his name. I'm not trying to be righteous by my own efforts. I'm trusting in what he did, all of it. And are you prepared to say that? Are you prepared to say, when your friends say, well, you're not a Christian, are you? And you say, well, not really. Or you say, yeah, I, I believe Jesus is Lord. Let's go to the next section. So Paul is drawing out from what actually is a very powerful principle 
that the way of Christian salvation is through faith in what Christ has done. And this, what Christ has done is brought to, into your life and my life by somebody telling us about it. And he uh, picks up on the scriptures which say, let's just see, I've forgotten how much I've read and how much I haven't read. Verse 10 says, it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. And then he says, no, it, this is everybody. You have to realize that if, this, if the, way, the way is the way of faith, it automatically removes the barriers of any sort of favoritism. There is no difference, in particular, verse 12, between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's his quote there. So here's somebody calling out to the Lord, save me, Lord. And then Paul says, now that, that also has implications. It has implications that didn't used to be there when Moses, the Moses package ruled and Israel was the main focus of God's uh, attention. He says, now that's changed because now everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And he says in verse 40, now how can they call on the one they've not believed in? So calling out means that somebody's got to have faith. And then he says, well, where does faith come from? How can they believe in one of whom they have not heard? Faith comes when you hear the message. And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they're sent? He says, this has huge implications for the way God does his business these days. He's doing it by sending people with this message. And he says that the same thing again, verse 16. Not, not all the Israelites accepted the good news. It says in Isaiah, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, verse 17, faith comes from hearing the message and the hearing of the message is through the word of Christ. He says we're in the age of mission. We're in the age of testimony. We're in the age of God sending. We're in the age of a, of a call going out. That's what we're happening. And I think perhaps Paul is thinking of himself because they might be saying to, thinking of Paul, we're a bit ashamed of you because you go out and preach the gospel to all sorts of rubbish people. And uh, don't you think that's cheapening the gospel? Don't you think that that's a bit shameful? And Paul's saying, absolutely not. This is what God is about in these days. And he gives us some quotes. The quote from Isaiah, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. He says, I've got beautiful feet, guys, because I'm telling people about Jesus Christ. And then he also quotes Psalm 19 of creation's voice. 
So this is another quote, in, it's in verse 18. Did they not hear? Of course they did. Their voice has gone out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. And if you look that quote up, you think it, that doesn't quite go the way you thought it was going to go. It's about God speaking into creation. And what Paul is saying is just as the sun shines on everybody, just as God reveals himself in goodness across the world, so also the gospel goes out across the world. God doesn't have favorites anymore. He doesn't restrict it anymore. It isn't just for the Israelites or the Swiss or the English, uh, but for everybody. So we're left with this situation of the herald bringing good news and hearing the word of God. So I've just got a couple of concluding remarks. Uh, there's lots of things one could say, but here's, here's one observation. So the spiritual process that God is doing nowadays is what? Well, it's sending out people to tell the message. So it's not sharing experience. It's not saying, if you come to our group and you meditate as we're meditating, you will begin to feel as we're feeling and we can share this experience. Paul says, well, don't do that. I'll go and tell them about Jesus Christ. And it's not first and foremost welcoming people into a warm community come and feel at home with us do you feel at home with us you feel welcome that's a good thing to be but Paul says that's not how the Christian message is spread by getting people to feel at home it's spread by telling them something about Jesus Christ that they believe and it's not about looking within the Christian message doesn't say look inside yourself Go down deep, see what, you, see what there is in there, uh, make contact with uh, the energies and so on and so that's inside you. It doesn't do that. What it is, is somebody telling about Jesus Christ who is outside of ourselves and us believing the message. That's the spiritual process that's going on. And let me make one more comment. which is sort of implied and sort of in there as you think about it, which is that God himself is working and speaking through the role of the speaker, the herald, the missionary, speaking the word of faith. So here's the, the scenario. We could think of God doing all this wonderful saving work in Jesus Christ and then sort of stopping and folding his arms and saying, well, it's up to you now. But that is not the picture that's being painted here. The picture being painted here is that God continues his saving work, moving into people's lives, touching them and working upon them by his word. Here's, a, here's some of these verses. How can they preach unless they're sent? Is that verse 15? God sending. God isn't saying, well, you, you decide whether you want to go or not. I'm busy doing something else. God's sending people. Perhaps he sent somebody to you 
to tell you the gospel. And then notice in verse 17 where he says, hearing comes through the word of Christ. I don't think he means the word about Christ, but much more that as the missionary is speaking or as the herald is speaking, it is the word that Christ is speaking, that Christ is actively calling and moving into your life as Christ is proclaimed. Even more telling is verse 20. Isaiah boldly says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. I, says God, revealed myself. I revealed myself. We're not dealing with the abstract of working through a book or uh, a philosophy in some sort of merely human way what we're doing even this morning is God is revealing himself God is speaking to you God is showing himself to you and even more telling verse 21 which Paul quotes about this whole matter all day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people And who is the I? It's God. And as the word goes out, God's own hands, as it were, are held out to you. All day long, says God, I'm holding out my hands. As the message goes out, I am holding out my hands to you. Please don't be obstinate, and disobedient. Please don't be dense and resistant. Please don't say yes but. Please hear the word of faith as Christ himself is presented and believe him. Submit to him. It's not that difficult. It's not like having to go up to heaven or down into the depths. It's believing this word of faith as God calls And I can simply ask this morning, will you believe him? Do you believe him? Do you want to believe him? Do you intend to believe him? Are you working on believing on him?